I'm Cray Beaumont Flynn. Welcome to Beyond the Design, a show that gives you a peek behind the curtain of the design industry and shares the stories of those that are the driving force behind it. Today we have Ann McDonald from Ann McDonald Design, uh, founder and principal. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of this. Thanks for having me. So Ann, why don't you go ahead and start and just tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. Um, man, I have been a designer my whole career, um, but I'm going to go way back for a minute. Um, my dad is a, is a builder, um, artist. My grandfather was an artist as well. And I think growing up in, in my household, it was, there was lots of freedom to get outside into nature and also just explore art. Um, and he would, my dad would take my sisters and I have three sisters and he would take us to job sites, um, to literally help out like shop vacking. And I spent an entire (laughs) summer caulking before the painters would come in and enamel all the woodwork, um, did all sorts of odd jobs, but he also would take especially me because I showed an interest in it at a young age to museums. And we would talk, he would open the encyclopedia at dinner and we would talk about Michelangelo or we'd go to the museums and, and look at, um, you know, all sorts of art from all sorts of eras. And and he would just talk and talk and talk about it. (laughs) And I think that exposed me at such a young age to uh, art and Mm -hmm. architecture, um, design principles in all all sorts of fields, right? Not just looking at a painting, but, um, uh, but in all sorts of ways. So it, it, um, the, it inspired you and inspired (laughs) me. Yeah. And, um, in college I actually went to, um, I, I don't have, well, I have a master's of fine arts in ecological architecture. Um, but my undergraduate was Chicano studies and Latin American studies. I wanted to be an immigration lawyer. Um, for a a while. And, and before I took the LSAT, I realized that I am not, logic is not my strong suit. (laughs) So so I, as a classic creative, I sort of detoured a little bit and I was like, yeah, this, this whole like sequential thought thing is not for me. I probably shouldn't be a lawyer. Um, so you're going to, you're going to go to the other side of the brain. (laughs) That's right. I was like, I'm not, this is not the side I want to be hanging out on. I want to go to the other side. So, um, yeah, and and so I um, I got a job with a, a colorist, actually a, a residential color theory professional. Like all she did was was go around to historic homes. This is my early twenties, kind of when I was trying to figure out if I wanted to to do law or not. Mm-hmm. And I worked as her assistant, and it was really cool um, cutting my teeth on color specifically, like having such a niche within the industry. Um, and really learning all the color theory, color principles, um, and sort of starting there um, in my early twenties, and then and then um, yeah, kind of went from there. So, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So you got you got down and dirty with your dad, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making you do yeah. all the grunt work, and that kind of inspired totally. you. Yeah, and you know, it was it was at that time too in my twenties that I I. Um, I was just trying, it's like so many people that age, trying to figure it out and what I should be doing and what I was good at and what I like to do, what felt natural to me. Um, and and so I worked for him doing some odd jobs, like I said. I, I was just sort of bouncing around all over the place um, and had worked with this one designer. And then eventually um, she encouraged me to go back and, and take some 
because um, I'd already had my undergrad. I, I liked this design thing, but I was like, I don't want another undergraduate degree. Like I've already right. got some debt from college. <laughs> um, I don't want to go back and just have another design degree that feels redundant and, and I can't take on more debt. So she was like, well, just take some, take some basic courses like drafting or color theory. So I did, I went back and, and took, uh, from like a community college, some basic design classes. And that really was exciting to me. And I mm-hmm. felt really good at it. Um, hand drafting was particularly exciting. Um, I had a super hard teacher that, um, I was so glad to have, because as you know, drafting is not only an art, but there's a real science behind it. And you have to know the principles. You have to know how to organize your files and how to communicate what is in your head. Um, And it's sort of the ultimate way to communicate is, I mean, both hand drafting, but, but, you know, CAD as well. Um, So I really uh, honed in on that and, and I still hand draft. I don't, I don't. That's fantastic. Well, I think it it really is an element of the creativity process is from mind to hand because you have that direct connection in creating. So exactly. Yeah. And my dad always talked about, um, with, you know, the first form of any art he would talk about would be sketching, like sketch it out and keep it loose. Like, like keep that sort of creativity flowing, like you said, brain to hand. So, um, so it was, there was something about that literal pen to paper, pencil to paper, that felt really good to me and still does. It, it just keeps it loose, keeps it flowing and creative. Right. And CAD doesn't have that same sort of element to right. me. I tried <laughs> it and, um, and just, it just never really took. I think I'm right on that age precipice of like, ah, I'm a little, <laughs> a little reluctant to ever go fully, um, fully digital. So, right. Yeah. I completely understand that. <laughs> So you're based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Is that that your hometown? It is. Yeah. I grew up um, here in Minneapolis, um, traveled around a bunch in my twenties, lived out in Colorado and Montana and California, um, but met my husband when I was about 21 and um, yeah, kind of settled, settled here. Um, but got to travel quite a bit and, uh, you know, a lot of Minnesotans always come back to Minnesota is kind of what happens. Um, it's a great place to, you know, have a family and when it's not cold, it is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Which it basically just, uh, started to be summer. Unfortunately, it's, it was a long, (laughs) it was a long one, long winter. Yeah. So is uh, most of your clientele in the Minneapolis, Minnesota vicinity? What's interesting is they're not. Um, we have clients all over the country right now, um, both coasts. Um, we're about to sign a project in Nashville. We're talking to somebody in LA. Um, we have a project in Santa Barbara in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a, a handful of projects here as well. But um, it, I started, so back up for a second again. Um, I started working like when I, my first real design job after I had, um, sort of worked as that colorist assistant, Mm -hmm. um, my dad took a real chance on me and he hired me as his in-house designer for his, uh, building company, um, McDonald remodeling was the name of it. And so I, I, I really got to know, um, like production remodeling, right? Like doing a lot of kitchens, a lot of, um, some room additions, a lot of like main level 
or primary suite remodels, um, things like that. And I did a lot of it. And um, so it was mostly construction design. Um, and then I, I sort of branched out from there into a little more architectural design. I wanted to have a heavier hand and not just pick out a kitchen faucet and some tile backsplash, but I wanted to get into the cabinetry and the walls and, um, you know, how can we make this floor plan more efficient and all that. So worked for him um, for 10 years. And um, I, I swear I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to your question about our no project. Worries. Hey, it's all about you. <laughs> it's we a hear winding path to get there. <laughs> but um, I worked for him. And this is an important part of my story, I think. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause on this part. Um, but in my sort of mid-30s, early 30s, I, I had my babies. I had um, two children. And was working full time. And that was also when I was, I had decided to go back and get my graduate degree, my MFA. Um, so a full-time, you know, master's full-time work, having a baby. I was totally, totally juggling, juggling, yeah. <laughs> juggling. and, and, and really very burnt out. And, um, I just didn't feel like I was good at any of it. I didn't feel like I was, I felt like I was good at it. I didn't feel like I could give any of those things, my all, you know, I felt like I was kind of half-assing the, right. all these parts of my life. <laughs> um, even, and, but I didn't have anything more to give. It was just like, I was, that was just it. I was tapped. So, um, I, I, I had been at my dad's company for 10 years and I just knew that something needed to give and my husband's career, he was doing well and kind of, um, had, had, um, established himself enough where I could step away from work mm -hmm. for a little bit. And I was so burnt out with design that I actually thought I would never, I, I canceled my magazine subscriptions to AD and to El Decor and Dwell and all, you know, Domino at the time. Like I just, I just wanted, I needed a, a, a clean slate. I needed to mm -hmm. totally step away from, from all of it. Um, and so I did, and I really was able to focus on my, toddlers at the time and, um, and myself, um, which was such a treat. I hadn't done that in a really, really long time. Uh, my marriage, my home. And then, um, about two years later after this really clean break and mind you, I had never done furnishings design, not once I had never picked out a fabric. I didn't know a thing about fabrics or furniture or upholstery case piece. I mean, none of it. You were just jumping in. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so um, two years later, now this puts me at about 38. This is about 2018, 2017. Um, I had a friend reach out and say, I'm, I'm in, the, in my neighborhood, say, I'm doing this renovation. I need some help picking out the finishes. And I know this is something you've done. Would you help me? And I had had people approach me with this over the two years, my like sabbatical. And I was like, nope, hard no, no, I'm not helping any. But for whatever reason, I felt like, all right, I, I can help. I can help her, um, them. And so I did. And that was the, um, the kind of the, the opening of it. Right. Um, and after that, I got another project from a friend who was doing a renovation. And this time this friend said, I need you to help me with the construction finishes and, and the, the renovation side of it. But I also really want you to help me with furniture. And I was like, I don't know about that. I've never done it. You know, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And she's like, but I trust you. Can you do it? And I was like, all right, fine. You know, I think 
I think at the time, um, I charged her $2,000 to do for my design time to do the entire house of furniture. Wow. I mean, I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm going to give it away for free practically and, and hope for the best. Um, and that project ended up getting published locally. Uh, and, and there was quite a bit of buzz around it. And that's when I started. So this is how I'm going to answer your question. That's when I started my Instagram was about 2018. I, I had had a personal Instagram that I would post some stuff on once in a while. Mm. And in 2018, I realized that, all right, I'm getting a lot of projects. I'm getting some press. Like, I guess I need to start paying taxes and doing like <laughs> establishing my business and probably like name it and, you know, things like that. Form an LLC. So in 2018, I did that. I took, I, I went to my, my work Instagram. I still have my personal, but I, I formed my work Instagram. And I started posting to it a lot and, and in just my voice. And I really felt strongly that um, the reason I didn't want to get into furnishing specifically was, um, you know, I'm 44 years old and I, I feel like there was always this, when I was growing up and even in the early parts of my career, I think there's this, this, this feeling that I didn't like of, of designers. It, everything felt stuffy. Everything felt prescriptive or formulaic. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like you could, they weren't, there wasn't enough, um, sort of paying homage to the shell or the architecture of the home. There was this disconnect or discord between the shell and whatever furniture was happening inside and not all designers, but, but this is what I felt. I was like, I just don't want to have anything to do with something that doesn't feel authentic to me Mm -hmm. or connected and and like connected pieces of a whole. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was my experiment to try to figure out how to do this in a way that it could feel authentic to me and feel connected to the architecture and, um, and, and like an artistic expression and not, not formulaic, not stuffy. So I talked about that on my Instagram and I think people really, um, resonated with it and that's really how it started to build momentum. Um, and so I don't know many people in Minneapolis, like I, I was never net, I didn't start off with a certain design firm and then work right. for another firm and then work for a showroom. I'm, I'm not very connected here in that way. And so I'm, and I, I really did that on purpose, especially when I started with furniture. Um, and I started on my own because I, I kind of wanted it just to be mine. I kind of yeah. wanted tunnel vision for like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. And I, I don't want anybody influencing how I do it. I just want it to feel right for me. So, and man, that is PS the hard way to do it. <laughs> like, I don't know if people often ask me now for like, you know, young designers, like how, you know, advice, like, what should I do? I'm like, don't do it my way. It's my way was hands down the hard way to do it. Now I probably wouldn't go back and do it differently because I guess I'm a masochist, but, um, but it did suit me and it did, it did bring me to this place that feels like, um, like truly authentic to me, but my projects are, are all across the board because I have this Instagram following that's all across the board. So, so much of our, um, of our intakes, people inquiring about working with us, um, come from Instagram period. Like it's, it's the driver of my business, um, by far. So social so. media does work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm proof of that, I guess. Yeah. 
So you briefly touched upon your process. So what is your actual process? I see some some boards behind you. Do you yeah. start just pulling imagery? Is there a a set program or menu that you uh, kind of install in each project, or is it client lifestyle? I mean, what is your process? Yeah. So um, because I my portfolio is pretty diverse. I my projects range so much. I I have sort of a specialty working with historic homes. I would say, but, um, but I can lean into like certain vernaculars and sort of, um, yeah, I would say that, that, um, I, my portfolio is diverse. So, um, to, to make that happen, I, I really don't, there's no formula, um, for like clients, for example, don't hire me and say, okay, just, just do the Ann McDonald to my house. Like, right, like, right implement your look on Put my your house. stamp on I, it. I think there's some elements to like some threads that are woven through all of our designs, but, but it, they're, they're diverse and really like, do they lean a little more traditional, a little more eclectic, a little more like vintage heavy, whatever. So, um, so the creative process starts really with, I mean, at the very beginning, it's really the connection that I have with the client. Is there a connection do we like each other? Like, do I feel like this person is going to trust me through the process or is this going to be an uphill battle? Right. So, I mean, getting to know that right off the bat and, um, and then leaning into the clients that, or, or really accepting the clients and moving forward with projects where there is that trust and, and mutual respect and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then there's a questionnaire that the clients fill out and it's, you know, it's like our part of our onboarding process. It's a pretty extensive questionnaire. Um, but I think that I made it up and I think that there are probably questions in there that might be different than some designers put. I don't know. I haven't read other questionnaires, but for example, um, I ask about music. Um, I ask, um, you know, like what, uh, are they morning people? Are they night owls? I guess that might be a little more common, but I want to understand like sort of the intricacies of, of, who the person is both as they like move through the space and Mm -hmm. their day, um, where they find comfort in their home or where they would hope to Right, Like if you're a night owl and you love, um, a certain spot because the moon comes up in this one room and whatever, like I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to think about the windows in that room and, um, things like that, where it Mm -hmm. sits in, you know, relation to the fireplace and, and that sort of thing. Um, but the other piece of it, so that's more like the black and white aspect of it to me. The gray area or the fun part, the nuance is, is who the client is and like the cultural aspect of, of them, um, their background, their heritage, their, right. their um, idiosyncrasies as a family, you know, mm-hmm. like. Um, who they are and what makes them tick. <laughs> yeah. At their best and their worst. Like yeah. those are important things for, for me to know as, as we move through the process. So, um, so really understanding that, um, unlike some designers, I, I, we present, um, one concept. We don't do concept boards ahead of time to get an idea of like, Hey, do you like the direction of this? Mm-hmm. It's pretty much like, here it is down to the cabinet knobs and inside profile of the cabinet. I mean, all of it is detailed out. Um, 
at that presentation because, because I feel that confident that I can figure out who they are through our onboarding process and sort of creative process mm-hmm. and, and just give it to them. Um, and it usually works out pretty well. So oh, that's good. That's, yeah, that way you don't have <laughs> clients. Oh, shiny ball, shiny ball, shiny ball, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Which could be problematic and just really uh, extend your timeline. <laughs> right. And, and I think, you know, what the other thing I learned, learned early on with like options for people is number one, they're hiring me as a professional to, mm-hmm. to sort through the options for them. So I don't want to give them three sofas to pick. If I know that there's one that is actually fits the room best, I know they're going to like it, man, the fabric that is like perfect is going to look so good on that, on the lines of it. Um, why would I show them the other two? True. You know? So, mm-hmm. so that's kind of my thought behind it. And usually when I explain that to people, they're like, right. Yeah. We're paying you a lot of money. Like it makes sense for you to give us, give sort of put your best foot forward. Yeah, so. absolutely. So do you think there's a difference in your process from creativity and creating something, or is there a vision, a set vision once you start really formulating the project and getting to know your client? That's a really good question. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think it changes for some people. Um, it's super fluid and Mm -hmm. it's really fun. Um, when I feel like when there's some, when there's a project that just feels really intuitive and like, I've got tons of ideas coming and those ideas often come to me in the morning and my, like, as I'm wake, sort of this like wake, um, sleep state that that everyone has in the mornings. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just have like ideas come to me. Um, and then I know it's a, it's a, those projects are really fun. Not every project that happens with, um, but that's really fun when that happens because it just feels like you can't contain the ideas. I don't know where they come from. I don't know why they bubble up at that point in the day, <laughs> but they do. And it's really cool. And, um, and they're often great ideas <laughs> that I can really run with, even though it's like a sub, almost like a subconscious thought. Um, and, and those are the ones that are like, I feel like I can, as soon as I, you know, we sort of do our onboarding and as soon as we get into design, um, man, it's just like, it just comes so, so quickly and so fluidly. Um, it's, but again, there's, there's ones that you just struggle and not struggle, but just it's, it's, there's a push and a pull in the creative process. That's a little different. And I, I don't have like these, these images in my head of, oh, we could do this thing or almost like a finished room. I can see it. Like it's, it's a little more, and I'm actually doing a project right now that I feel that way. And what's funny is it's a second project with a client. I know this client super well. Um, I feel a real kinship with her and her projects. Like I, they are very fluid, but she trusts me so much that the sky's the limit. We could do anything. And it's almost like um, crippling with how many <laughs> ideas and how exciting um it is to design for somebody like that there are no parameters um that's one and, in few that's the golden client oh my gosh golden right and i <laughs> yeah. i think that part of it is i know i'm just every morsel every time i design something i'm just i just want it to be perfect because um i mean not only because it's super fun for me but 
but I want her to keep trusting me. And it's just such an awesome relationship that way. I just want to nail it for her, you know? Right, right. So it's like, the, the, yeah, absolutely. The golden client, golden egg. Yeah. Do you feel like you take uh, risk or challenges in your creativity and pushing yourself? I do. I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you if I didn't feel um, like every project I want to push out of a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say that to my clients too. I, I actually, something we say to our kids is in this, I've never thought about it this way, but um, the best things in life are the scare, are the the scary things, like the, the things that, um, the things that you push yourself to do that are like, it's outside of your comfort zone, um, but you know, it's going to be worth it. And you just have to kind of stick your neck out and, and make the leap. And, um, the comforts, I mean, we all have our comfort zone. I have it with my, with design, with what I create. I'm sure you have your version of it. We all have it. Um, but there's no growth in that. Right. Really? You know? So, so it's so important to me to, to feel like I'm always, always, always pushing, always trying to figure something out a little bit deeper. Um, and in architecture and design, it is endless. There, we have to be, we have to be um, proficient at so, we have to know so much about so many things that it's, it is an endless well. I mean, it, it, my education will just keep going and going and going and going. Absolutely. I think, you know, because the industry changes constantly it's constantly evolving so the educational and feeding our brain and being on the cusp and, and learning and absorbing i think totally is, is continuous on every day yeah. <laughs> yeah. every day yep yep so a good portion of your projects are residential so what else are you looking to do or have you done on the other sectors of the industry um i worked it was really fun one of my first I don't know, I guess you'd call it a hospitality project was a, two years ago now. Um, there was a, it's a city club. So there's country clubs and city clubs. Someone had to explain this to me. I didn't realize the difference. <laughs> um, and I, I knew country clubs, but I had never heard of a city club. Right. And we have this, the oldest club in Minneapolis is called Minneapolis club and it's downtown. It's this beautiful 1888 um, brick, beautiful building. And they called me up, reached out and said, we'd love for you to help. We, we want to do this overhaul. We feel like now's the time for us to, we want to rebrand. Um, we want to get some new, you know, sort of new members and new blood and new life. Like it's time. And so um, it was at, it was under the guidance of this awesome guy named Jeff. And, and he was ultimately the one to hire me. And um, he was really inspired by uh, the Soho houses in mm. London and New York and whatnot. Yeah. And so, and so we, we got to design um, like the guest rooms. They have a whole block of like hotel room, like hotel style guest rooms for the, for the mm-hmm. members um, to stay in um, as well as some beautiful like bathrooms in different areas. And there was a, like a dressing room that I got to be a part of um, design for uh, like their event space associated with the event space. So things like that, there was like a grand hall. Um, and, and just working in that building was so, so exciting. I mean, it was so, to have that plop in my lap at that moment, I just felt like I had won the lottery. I, I, <laughs> that sort of 
stature of a building, um, the history of it, and then and then getting to to be on something, um, be in a moment for the building that you know we wanted to honor it and honor the history, but also feel like okay, we're not stodgy old men anymore. Like right. you know, playing into only that. Like it's time to to breathe some new life into this thing. So that was super cool. Um, and I just finished a, a really beloved pizza restaurant in South Minneapolis. Um, I helped with their, their renovation and addition that they did. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I'm really excited for the, for the moment that someone can, um, call me up and, and, uh, you know, ask me to be a part of their sort of new concept restaurant or something like that. Like that, that would be sort of the creme de la creme to me, but, but yeah, mostly residential. I mean, residential is our, is the majority of it. It's your bread and butter, as they say. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So is there any projects that you can really say that are most poignant or actually you put your heart and soul in? Mm. Um, or maybe ones that were like problematic, but at the end of the day, it's like, wow, this really pleased you and made you happy that you went through the trials and tribulations as they would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot, there's so many like that, especially for, (laughs) you know, all of us the last few years dealing with pandemic construction, Mm -hmm. um, supply chain damages is such a huge part of what we do on a daily basis, dealing with damages now still. Um, I feel like supply chain has sort of figured itself out a little bit, or we've maybe figured it out on, on who to use and who to trust, but damages continue to be such a, um, such a pain in the neck. Um, gosh, you know, every project poses its own challenges. Um, I'm thinking of a project we did that, um, it's funny if you, if you even like, I'm thinking about my portfolio on my website, kind of going through project by project. And it's like, oh, well that one, you know, we had a, (laughs) we had a really a, a terrible contractor on one of them. Um, and just, I think he was just in over his head. He was just kind of a, um, a single guy that did a lot of the work himself. And it was a whole house renovation. It was, um, here in Minneapolis, it was a late 1800s home. And, um, and I had designed this thing for, you know, a renovation, a kitchen, full kitchen gut. Um, I mean, I really, there was a lot of, of a lot of consequences to the building, but, um, from a millwork perspective, like he had to know what he was doing because we're mm-hmm. dealing with matching existing 1884, wow. you know, Victorian millwork. Like it, it wasn't super straightforward. Right. Um, and of course I've got cabinetry built to sort of play into that sort of vibe. And, and anyway, it was, it was a lot. And, um, and I think he was in over his head. So we ended up having to really babysit that project a lot more. And, and that's where things um, start to break down with clients. I think, you know, because they're frustrated. They went with this guy because ultimately he could save them a little bit of money. But in the end, we're spending more time on the project. And so we're costing more money. And um, and and it's it's really frustrating for clients. And I don't blame them. I mean, that's that's a hard position to be in. Um, but I can't abandon the project at that yeah. point. I just refuse, <laughs> you know, um, and the clients don't want us to either in, in a position like that. So it's, there's a, it's, it's hard. I think it's just the key is communicating as much as possible with the clients and making sure that 
um, yeah, we're just, you know, we're just doing the best we can. But, but <laughs> at the end of the day, when we shot it, um, I mean, it was all high fives and smiles and everyone was super happy. The clients were psyched and, um, it was, it was a really beautiful, it turned out super well. And, you know, it's funny, I think as designers, especially at the end when maybe even like right before furniture install, mm-hmm. um, it's exciting, but it's also like the client, every project I feel like is this way. The client is so sick of spending money. They're kind of sick of us. Like, even yeah. if we like each other, <laughs> you know, it's like, it, it just, they're, everyone's sort of sick of it. Um, and yeah. And so it's this, it's, it's sort of like an emotional, if you, if it were an emotional roller coaster, the whole project, like there would be this, like the lowest of the low would come basically at the very end when all the right. exciting things are, are happening and it's all happening. It's all coming together, but it's like, everyone is at their lowest, they're you know, done. <laughs> they're done, they're done. They're sick of writing checks and doing all of it. Um, and then, and then of course you have, you know, it, it bounces back after that once people move in and the last check is written and the contractor's out of there and the dust is literally settled. Um, and, and then everyone's happy, but, but yeah, riding that low is, is tricky. I haven't quite figured out the, the finessing of that situation. Hanging it's on up the and ride. down. It's like, it's like a marriage, you know, you go through your trials totally. and tribulations and ups and right? downs and yeah, it's not all going to be, you know, unicorns counseling and, and <laughs> everything else. <laughs> totally. Well, and, and it's true. Like client work is, is a, I mean, there is a therapy component to it for sure, where you're seeing, you're witnessing a marriage. Um, you're, you're part of that relationship, kind of part mm-hmm. of the codependency sometimes. I mean, it's, it's funny. Yeah. You're getting it from both sides, like the good dad, bad mom type. You totally. Know. Yeah. Yeah. What do yeah. I do? Yeah. How, how, since you started your career, your professional career as a creative, how have you seen the industry change? Hmm. Um, how have I, I seen mean, we're, it? we're always evolving and now, you know, with various platforms where design has become more accessible, it's mm-hmm. not a hidden secret because it's mm-hmm. TV shows and obviously podcasts mm-hmm. and other uh, platforms. How have you seen it change for the good and the bad, I guess? Yeah. Um, I would say I, I the internet, um, changed it entirely because, mm-hmm. um, just the access that people have, like you said, the access that people have now to inspo to high-end design um, and, and just the quantity of it, right? It's like right. before you could pick up an L decor an architectural digest or whatever it was. And, and you, you'd see a project or two every month or quarterly. And, and that was kind of it. And maybe you were a person that saved them. And, um, and I'm talking about not designers even, but just like, right people out in the world. Now those people out in the world, um, man, I mean, some of the Pinterest like libraries that my clients have are insane. You know, (laughs) um, I mean, go so far beyond anything I would even ever have for myself or my business. And, and this is just sort of what's rolling through their heads on a daily basis. I think that people, you know, people have always had like passions and interests in design, but I think that um, the exposure that the internet has allowed us has just like made it so that it's, it's just so much information at people's fingers. Mm-hmm. 
So I think how that's changed my industry is people are really savvy. Um, and specifically, I am, um, I'm on the expert. And so I do these, these sessions, these consults with people on that platform. And, um, and it's really cool the amount that we can get done in an hour. I mean, that wouldn't have happened 10 years, 10 years ago. It, it wasn't happening five years ago. It's a fairly new thing. I mean, people were, were sort of playing with e-design, I remember, you know, like 10 years ago. But that was clunky. Um, it felt a little cheesy. Um, Correct. At least to me, it just felt like it. It there was a level where there was, so e-design, like, uh, it just never really felt like um, it could be something that would really serve people well. It, it just felt like, here's a living room idea try to go with it and see what happens, you know? Right, um, right. Whereas like on the expert and, and, and these other platforms that have bubbled up now um, and because of soft, I mean, really it's just software and the internet that allows us to really hone in on, okay, you know, in an hour's time, what's the living room look like? What's the architecture of the home? Um, you know, I can see floor plans and, and client inspo and man, we are like off to the races and I'm designing an entire living room for them in 45 minutes. It's, it's really cool. And they'll never have that full service experience. I mean, there's, there's, you know, um, there's a reason that, that, that people will always want a full service interior designer, but, but man, it makes it really accessible to people. And the, the designers that people have access to are incredible, you know? So it's cool. As you mentioned, there's no Ann McDonald stamp design aesthetic, but what really feels like it's part of you that really, I guess, pushes you um, in design? Um, I just always come back to, and I think it might be because I live in Minneapolis and it's cold and snowy and miserable so much of the year. <laughs> we're still a little mad. Talk to me in September and I'll be like, this is the best place to live. But we're still a little angry from the winter. Um, but I think warmth is warm and cozy is, is such an important thread that I weave in all of my designs. Um, and I think that that is universal now more than ever. Um, being forced to be in our homes for two or three years Um, as well as the world feeling like it's sort of ending, um, as well. I mean, all of these things have compounded to, I think, create a perfect storm where we feel so strongly about our spaces. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if I can help provide something that feels nurturing or anchored, warm, um, intentional, slow, you know, authentic, like all of those things, um, and beautiful, original, um, elevated. I think, I think a lot about duality. So you can have, you can have cozy, but you can also have like expansive and open. And, um, and I think making sure that our spaces serve both of those moods, like, like playing into the idea that I want my living room or I want my sofa or that side chair or, my porch or whatever it is to meet me, um, in a really bad mood when I come home from work in the middle of winter and I'm just mad because the sun hasn't come out in two weeks or, um, or I had a bad day or whatever. I I want it to meet me there, but I also want it to meet me, um, when I'm having a 
impromptu people over and kids are running through the house and it's bright and sunny and, um, and man, there's not a care. It doesn't feel like there's a care in the world. Like it needs to meet us in both of those places. Right. And if your space doesn't, then, <laughs> then you need to figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot about that. And that's, that's, that's super exciting to me. That is uh, challenging. You know, it's not, it's easy to design for one of those things, but it's trickier to design for both. So being a creative, do you have your own personal design aesthetic that appeals to you? And are you able to turn it off when you go home? Or do you change your rooms every oh. year? <laughs> like, ah, I just saw this now. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Um, I don't think there will, I don't think I'll ever be settled in what I choose for myself. Um, designing for myself is the hardest. Mm-hmm. is the hardest thing i'm i'm my hardest client hands down i i it's like an impossible task um and as soon as guaranteed as soon as i pick something out and it it you know i sort of install it or i have it in the house or whatever i i'm just sort of like really that's that's what i chose <laughs> like it's just and sometimes it's not sometimes i love it but um and now the other challenge is i we have a studio space and um, so it's like, it's now it's double because it's not only my house that I'm choosing things for, but it's, it's the studio office. And, and I'm looking at these chairs and I'm like, I want to reupholster those. And they were just, upho- that we just had them upholstered like, like, you know, three months ago. So, um, <laughs> but I think in terms of my personal aesthetic, um, I, you know, I, I use a lot of vintage. I love old homes. We live in a 1920s bungalow, craftsman bungalow. Uh, we lived in a 1920s Tudor before that. Um, I love, you know, four squares and classic colonials. Like there's so much of that here in Minneapolis. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so, or Victorian, I mean, it's just endless. So, um, my aesthetic is, is it's driven by the architecture of the space and it leans into vintage because there's something just, I love that vintage has lived other lives, right? That it has a story. It has this like cool depth to it that new furniture just doesn't have. Um, but then I think layering it with, with, you know, like in my living room, we have a new sofa that I, I actually designed myself, which is another struggle, but it, we love it. We love the sofa. Um, and then we have a 1970s Mario Bellini, um, chair, black leather chair that pairs with it with like a Persian rug. And it's in a, you know, craftsman, um, bungalow, itty bitty little living room. Like uh, and, th- and then we have a pair of Danish, cha- um, like sheepskin chairs opposite that it's, it's, it's eclectic. Um, and I love it. It's, it's interesting. It's layered. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it has something to say. It has an opinion. So I don't know if like, I could never give my style. Like I love boho. I lean boho and eclectic, I would say, but man, other than that, like it's a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> so you just mentioned that you designed your own furniture. Is that something that's, uh, is on the goal chart, I guess you could say, for you? I, you know, I think a year ago I would have said yes. And I, it, it still is. But I think what's happened is I realize you start designing furniture and you realize how hard it is. You, it's, it's one of those, it's like what we talked about before with um, there's so much to know. It's like the endless well. And I would love to keep exploring that. Um, Oh, we should talk. I mean, I, I launched my furniture line four years ago, so oh. it's uh, 
it's a full-time job. It's a, there's a yeah. lot more aspects than you really know. Uh, the show's not about me. It's about you. So go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, it's, it's true though. It's, it's, and you know, the, the, the learning curve of it, um, feels, <laughs> feels slow in some ways because it's like, so I designed a sofa. It's in my, it's in my living room mm-hmm. and I would do it differently. So, so next, but, but it's not like I can just whip out another prototype right. and see how that feels. <laughs> right. It's like, I'm sort of experimenting and, um, and someone's going to, pay the consequences of my experimenting. So you just want to be really certain. And so it's a lot of like, it's kind of like sit tests and mm-hmm. figuring out, you know, um, seat height and seat length and, and the, the cushion firmness. And I mean, just, and then the lines of it, the just the beauty of it. I, there's, there is, it's, it's endless and the construction of it. Um, it's a lot, there's a lot more to it than I would have ever imagined, which only now makes me look at people that design furniture really well, like the, the masters, um, Mm -hmm. and man, it's, and like anything like, like painters or architects or whatever. Um, there's just such a deep appreciation now for people that do it really, really well. So given that and furniture design potentially being on Ed McDonald's forefront at some point, is there anything next steps or goals you want to achieve? Um, man, you know, there, I'm going to answer that in two ways. One is, um, I, I really, I wing it. I wing my business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always have, you know, I mean, you can probably tell at this point, like I go with my gut on things and, um, that's a creative. That's that's part of the process right? of being yeah. a creative. I mean, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, but there are some designers I know that are very, they're very savvy business people. And I'm not saying I'm not a savvy business person. I actually think I've I've done a pretty good job figuring it out. But, um, but you know, they've got, they just have a lot of experience, and and maybe they're uh, extremely organized. They run that way or whatever. And and so I'm always like comparing. Like I'm always feeling a little behind because I am I am through and through a creative. I mean. My team supports me in an organizational um, and plus so many other things, but the capacity, because I just don't, I I just run creative. And so um, I love listening to design podcasts and and something I hear over and over is let the creative be the creative. Like you don't want them in other roles, especially as the, (laughs) you know, founder leader of the company. Like, and so if I can keep doing that, if I can keep creating and, and pushing myself and pushing the boundaries of, of our projects and, um, you know, I would love to be published in AD. That's a goal. Um, um, things like that. I mean, just not even recognition from, mm-hmm. uh, my peers, but, uh, respect by my peers, you know, like, I guess that comes with recognition, um, I just, I love what I do and I want to keep, keep doing it and keep learning. Um, and there's a real, a, a real fire in me to, to keep that up. So, so that's a goal. Um, and I think, uh, man, I think another goal is, um, some sort of creative collaboration. I, I would love to, you know, whether it's a piece of furniture or a tile, um, 
a line of cabinetry, you know, some sort of architectural element I think would be really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I, I lighting, I mean, there's, there's so many aspects that I would love to dig into. Um, that would be, that would be really cool. We'll see. <laughs> so do you, <laughs> so put almost uh, put a, build the brand, I guess you could say, build the brand and do a signature line of some sort, be it wallpaper or paint or furniture. That would be one of your Yeah, goals. totally. I mean, I, I, the opportunities with that are, are, I can't even imagine like being able to put pen to paper in that way mm-hmm. and, and really dig in and, and like a wallpaper, for example, how, how cool that would be. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would love to, to see things go more that direction in the, in sort of the short long term. So kind of going back to the original question that I had, I had written down. So when you start the process, do you come together with your group or do you kind of set the direction and hand it over? Are you part of that uh, process on a daily basis? And, and yeah. Um, so right now that I'm, I'm the one that does 95% of the design. Um, I have another interior designer on my team. Um, she's really my, my wing person in terms of supporting me through the process. So mm-hmm. Um, so what she'll do actually is she'll, what you see like behind me, for example, she'll pull the inspiration from the client. And sometimes the client has, you know, 10 times that amount of inspo. And so what we do is we sort of sort through it and pick the ones that we think we want to lean into according to, you know, what they're communicating they like, um, whether it's on the questionnaire or the conversations we've had. Um, and so we'll sort of pull the highlights mm-hmm. and, um, and so at the very beginning, Mariana does that. She, she cuts the stuff out. Um, she puts it on a board. We print off their questionnaire. Um, Mariana will actually at that point even pull colors like paint swatches and fabrics and materials um, and just sort of start to put together essentially a mood board for the project um, of just physical objects that, that then when I'm ready to start design, I have this very visual reference and it's behind me while I create and, or in front of me. Um, and I'm, you know, and I might tweak the colors a bit or tweak the finishes according to kind of what's in my brain. Right. But um, it's, you know, I think anybody in this industry, like um, reacting to something can sometimes be easier than just original thought. So me coming in and, and having all of this visual information helps me be like, oh yeah, I love that direction. Or like, yes, I love 80% of it, but like, this is where we need to tweak it. And the, and then it's like, it's, I'm off to the races versus just like a total blank slate. I mean, blank slates are great, but they're also yeah. terrifying. <laughs> um, so that, so it, it really allows me to like kind of conjure up some sparks and, and roll with it. So does, does your, that make uh, sense? yeah, it makes perfect sense. Well, yeah. We're, we're talking the same language, so I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So your ringman, Mariana, does she have to extract a lot from you or does she can just get you? You can say very few words or very draw something and she just gets it. She gets it. Totally. Um, she's worked with me now. She she reached out to me like month three of, of lockdown. I mean, it was like I didn't have any clients. I didn't have any business. It was everything had just like, you know, come Stop. to a grinding right. halt. Yeah. And um, I had clients, but the projects were just stopped mm-hmm. and like no one really knew what was going to happen. 
And I had to lay off my person at that, my person that I had, um, had on my team at that point. So it was just me not doing anything. And Mariana reached out to me on Instagram and said, you know, I've never done this. I've never reached out to anybody. I just feel like I'm a teacher. I would love to shadow you. Um, can I do that sometime? And I get a lot of DMs like this. And I don't know why with her, I was like, yeah, sure. So I took her on one meeting early on. And this was, you know, three years ago now, almost three years ago. And I mean, she had no experience. She was a teacher, um, elementary school teacher. And, um, and I was like, this is the lady I'm going to hire. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so she's been with me since then. And what's been great is that, and this kind of goes back to like how I do things is she hasn't worked for another designer. She doesn't have a design degree. Um, but she's, she's chipping away at really great ways to get, um, like she's doing a, a drafting course and she does a Photoshop course and, you know, these, these very applicable ways of knowing mm -hmm. the industry. Um, and obviously just working full time now for us, like, uh, she, she gets it. And there's just this intuition amongst the two of us that, um, that you can't teach, you know, right, right. um, and, and that's, what's really important to me. Um, as well as just the drive, the sort of tenacity to, to show up and, and the ideas and, and that sort of thing. I mean, um, someone can look so great on paper and have all the degrees and the things, but Absolutely. do they have those nuancey aspects? It's that's not always. Well, so. it's, it's the instinct, the natural instinct and the passion and the drive that you cannot educate someone to have. I mean, just totally. And on yeah. the job training, I think is the most, uh, relevant to really instill you and, and you know see where it goes yeah yeah exactly yeah well congrats on finding the perfect uh <laughs> right ring man wing woman yeah yeah and is there any closing words of wisdom you want to share with us um i think something that i keep coming back to and and i believe is the reason that i've had some level of success and hope to continue that success um, is, is really just trusting my gut and, and um, listening to that inner voice of both from a creative sense, um, not getting bogged down with too many other people's images or what so-and-so mm -hmm. is doing with their aesthetic or um, but, but, but being playful with, with that sort of creative inner voice and trusting that it's going to, both come to fruition, um, but also it's going to be the right, the right thing in the end, you know, um, business wise, creative wise, like it's, it's led me here and, and I'm just really grateful to, to be here. So. Fantastic. Well, this has been a complete joy and I'm honored to have met you and have you on our show yeah, and thank too. you so much and much, much success to you. And Thank, thank you for you. coming on today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast.